Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase. All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your Thursday afternoon headlines. The Department of Finance has asked WA Police to investigate firm construction, while the company's administrators say firm may have misrepresented its financial position. Business News revealed in November that RSM partners Greg Dudley and Jerome Moen had been appointed administrators of firm, previously a $100 million a year builder. Administrators issued their creditors' report yesterday, raising concerns firm may have had a shortage of working capital as early as June 2020. But the report said that finding did not match up with financial statements that firm had provided to other parties. In the report, Mr Moen said a review of correspondence between the company and various third parties showed the company may have misrepresented its financial position. Mr Moen said he had been provided unsigned financial statements by the company's pre-appointment external accountant, which materially differ from signed financial statements provided to third parties by the company. Administrators also said they had found potential claims against directors for breaches of directors' duties, which had been reported to the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Documents obtained from the Department of Finance by Business News under Freedom of Information rules include redactions under a clause of the FOI Act, which exempts matters that could prejudice an investigation of any contravention or possible contravention of the law in a particular case. That included firms' accounts from the year to June 2022, which provided to the Department of Finance in August last year. When asked for clarification, the Department of Finance said several matters have been referred to the WA Police for investigation. The Department said it could not disclose the grounds for that referral, as the matters are currently under investigation. Firm was working on six projects for the Department prior to the company's administration, including Wellard Village Primary School. A former director of Firm did not respond to requests for comment. A preliminary analysis by administrators suggests the company was insolvent from December 2021 and possibly earlier. The RSM report also says further investigation will be needed of a potential $1.4 million shortfall in retention project bank accounts associated with firms' works. Those accounts were part of a state government effort to improve payment certainty for subcontractors across the construction industry. The company's management said the reconciliation had potentially been erroneous and that its accounts team may have made errors, the report said. And in other news, the state government has officially launched its trade office in Vietnam to strengthen its ties with the trading partner and attract further investment into Western Australia. State Development, Jobs and Trade Minister Roger Cook opened the new Invest and Trade WA office in Ho Chi Minh City as part of a four-day venture in Vietnam. The new office is the 12th WA Invest and Trade office opened by the state government and the third in the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Vietnam is WA's 13th largest trading partner, according to the state government. In 2021 to 2022, $2.6 billion worth of goods were traded between the two countries. In the same period, WA exported $2.2 billion worth of goods to Vietnam, which is almost double the average over the past decade. The new office is part of the state government's expanded international invest and trade network, supported by the $195 million Reconnect WA package. Association of Southeast Asian Nations Investment and Trade Commissioner Krista Dunstan will oversee the operation of the office and will be supported by Director Duok Tran and Education Business Development Manager Tui Vo. The minister also met with the People's Committee of Ho Chi Minh City and the local branch of the Vietnam Chamber of Commerce and Industry to discuss possible hydrogen opportunities. Earlier this week, Mr Cook met with Vietnamese airline representatives to continue discussions around securing direct flights to Western Australia. And finally, West Perth-based technology company Family Zone is set to complete a $20 million placement to reinforce its balance sheet. 
The cyber safety solutions company announced it had received commitments from investors for $20 million through a placement. The new shares will be issued at 18 cents, which represents a 14.3% discount on the last closing price of 21 cents on March 6. The proceeds will be used to bolster the company's balance sheet to support additional growth and corporate opportunities, Family Zone said in a statement on the ASX. Euros Hartley's insurance partners are joint lead managers to the offer. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, Jordan Murray speaks to senior journalist Claire Tyrrell about the recent sale of Bond Tower and the rise of non-bank lenders. Want to get more out of life? The Better Living Showcase has exactly what you're looking for. WA's leading health, wealth and happiness event, packed with live presentations, interactive performances, networking, investment, health and financial advice, you name it. It's all about helping you live your best life. March 18 and 19 at the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre. Get your tickets now at betterlivingshowcase.com.au. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by senior journalist Claire Terrell. Claire, thank you for being here. Thanks, Jordan. They say you only get one Allen Bond in your lifetime, and in the case of real side property, they've had theirs with the purchase of Bond Tower. Claire, you wrote about it for the latest edition of Business News. Tell me about that purchase and tell me about the significance of Bond Tower. So it was developed as Bond Tower. It's 108 St George's Terrace is the address. And uh, a lot of people in Perth, a lot of our readers and listeners will recall Alan Bond uh, is, you know, I won't dwell too much on it, but um, let's just say he was a colourful character in, in business and uh, widespread implications on, on his decisions and uh, not all of them were good. So he developed Bond Tower in the 1980s and uh, people will recognise the asset, it's you know really tall, 51 storeys and sloping upwards uh, and it was also called R&I Tower, I think uh, um, simultaneously to Bond Tower and uh, now it's known as South 32 Tower in some circles because they're the anchor tenant and uh, yeah it's undergone many, undergone many iterations in its, in its time. But its latest, the latest development around this site is that it's been purchased by Realside and Lendlease. So they went into a joint venture buying the asset last year for $340 million from Brookfield. And Brookfield wanted a little bit more for it. They wanted $350 million, which is not small change. And uh, I think it was a reflection of what the market was like at the time. So. Realside got a got a bargain there, and uh, there are actually a lot of other, well, a few other ins- institutional players circling this asset, including Centuria, and uh, most people will know the history behind Centuria and the fact that it was founded by John Bond, who's actually Alan Bond's son. So I thought that was a nice little bit of symmetry there, and uh, Centuria did put a bid on this one, and uh, they went over to. Allendale Square after they were unsuccessful for that, which they bought that one for 223 mil. And subscribers who get the print edition of Business News will get to see some wonderful photos from David Henry, particularly of the gaudy bathroom on the top floor. Uh, you spoke to Realsight about what they're going to do with this building, uh, and particularly I thought it was interesting to see. It really was. It was uh, a real throwback, Jordan. It was. I felt pretty privileged to go up all the way to the very top. My ears felt a bit funny as they do when you go that high that quickly uh, on the 51st level. Uh, and 
yeah, when you look around, you can really kind of get a sense of the, the history and what might have gone on there. I've uh, recently watched that miniseries on, on Alan Bond and the life and times of, of him, of which I know you only skim the surface of, of actually what actually went on. And you go around the corner and you can see this, this elaborate bathroom with, with gold fittings and a spa and a shower and a sauna. And not something you typically see in an office building. And basically, RealSide and JLL, who are the building's managers, and, and Lendlease, of course, they're all deciding what to do with that part of the building. They're going to consult the tenants and find out the future of that aspect. So we don't actually know what's happening with that part of it yet. However, there is $6.5 million roughly being set aside to revamp the lobby uh, and you know parts of the floors and Woods Baggett, who actually occupy the Palace Hotel section of the building themselves, have been appointed to oversee that change. And there's a lot of significance attached to this purchase as well, not just because of the history of this particular building, but because of what it means for the commercial property market here in Perth. Tell me about that. So this was an interesting one, Jordan. Realside bought this building at a time when very few or very, pretty much no commercial, major commercial assets were selling. And a lot of people that I've spoken to said, have said, you know, Mark Vonick, who heads up Realside, he, he knows what he's doing and he's bought in a counter-cyclical market. And that's exactly what Realside partner Linda Rudd told me. She said, you know, she's actually based in Sydney and Realside has presences in both in both cities. And she said, Perth's very different to Melbourne and Sydney and Queensland, etc. You don't hear of it having a big lockdown like, like they did. And said you know we can see these the figures back it up you know we're at least 80 percent occupancy in the city so the office market is is going strong that asset itself is uh almost 90 percent occupied uh but when you drill down a little bit deeper i think a lot of those businesses have you know flexible time um their workers aren't there 100 percent of the time however it is busy and uh, I think it was bought on a 7.7-ish percent yield from memory, which is not, you know, not reflecting that it's a really, really strong asset, but they believe in the future of it. Changing gears a little bit now to talk about the second article in the latest edition of Business News for the property section, Claire. You wrote about the rise of non-bank or alternative lenders in the property sector. Uh, before we talk a bit about why they're of interest, can you just explain to me how this works? How do you get uh, finance from a non-bank lender? Yeah, so alternative lending in a, in a nutshell kind of allows business owners, borrowers to get access to capital in another way. So the non-bank lenders that I spoke to included MaxCap Group, Centaur Property Funds, Centuria Bass, which is an arm of Centuria, and Gary Brown Neves' BN Investments, which have a first mortgage arm. So a lot of these businesses are structured in similar ways in that they utilize investment money so they create funds and then investors uh you know funnel money into that funds and and the those funds themselves generate returns and the capital from that funds gets allocated to uh borrowers and uh every every project that people that developers are applying or business owners are applying for finance for is assessed on a case-by-case -case basis and it's a very bespoke model 
And you spoke to some property groups that have sought alternative lenders or have sought finance from alternative lenders. What's their experience been? I did, Jordan. So I mainly spoke to the lenders themselves, but I spoke to them about who they fund. So Iris Residential is, is a big one that uses Max Cap group and uh, Iris is linked to Simon Trevison who runs that and they've used it to fund many developments around Perth and uh, one I didn't get to mention in this story is Impresta as well. I've spoke to them earlier in the year and they fund a lot of edge visionary living projects or at least in part and a lot of people would recognise these projects around Perth and uh, you know these, these, these lenders they're not looking to replace the banks as they told me but they're kind of in many ways, they're a they're a stop stopgap because, of course, they they're more expensive. Uh, they're, they're not the money isn't as cheap. And just to be clear, non-bank lenders aren't regulated by APRA. Uh, so talk to me about the reputation of these particular vehicles. I mean, how do they stack up against a major bank if they're not regulated to the same extent to which major banks are regulated? Yeah. So I had to ask this question of of all of them, Jordan, because it would be. Uh, you know, it'd be remiss of me not to. Uh, it, it does, it does kind of uh, stick out. You say, "Oh, you know, you're not regulated," but they are in a way. Uh, so they they all have to get financial services licenses, which kind of upholds them to certain levels of you know integrity and honesty. And, uh, however, there are there are some bad apples, and uh, as as Matt Cap, Max Caps, Bill McWilliams said to me, "Yeah, there's always going to be." going to be those bad eggs, I think he said. Uh, but, you know, I think that kind of it's on on borrowers to do their due diligence. And, and when you're looking at, at lending off someone like Gary Brownies, I mean, he's got a really good reputation in the market, very long standing. And uh, also MaxCap Group, they're a massive institution, Centuria. Um, yeah, I guess it's a case of, of, of buyer beware. To read more on either of the articles referenced on today's episode of Our Closed Business, you can head online now to businessnews.com.au or you can pick up the latest edition of Business News. In the meantime, Claire, look forward to speaking to you next fortnight. Thanks, Johnny. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au. Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase.